Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingis serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the living brand experience the basics of looking for a new house, and the importance of making the last day as magical as the first day. Experience living, house hunting, and smooth exiting. Oh my! There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Our CX Press article comes from CMO.com and is titled Inside the Living Brand Experience. The article was written by Tali Krakowski and Jorge Aguilar, two partners at the brand and marketing consultancy Profit. What I love about this article is it sets the tone with the opening sentences. Culture is being recoded, and people expect very different relationships with brands. More human, immediate, seamless, and responsive. Living brand experiences are the new standard, a company that can functionally integrate around the customer with regard to technology, data, marketing, and the customer experience is delivering its product and service not simply as an offer, but as an experience ecosystem. A hyper-contextual, empathetic, cohesive, and humanized experience that responds to, learns from, and anticipates its customers' next moves and needs. Well, now that's setting the bar kind of high, which I like because we've talked before that the customer experience bar is often on the ground. On the ground, people. On the ground. Yeah. And when I listen to this and when I hear you reading it, I'm I'm thinking about like iTunes or Spotify as, as experiences. Somebody actually mentioned Spotify to me today as being an experience where they feel like the brand really knows them because it, it finds the right songs for them. It kind of knows what mood he or she is in, et cetera. And I do think that the technology is getting better with, with AI and machine learning to get us there. I do think, however, that there are very, very few companies that are able to do this well right now, and there's going to be some stumbles along the way. I don't disagree with you, Dan, but I also think one of the main reasons I love this article is because it's not just about the technology. It's about the feelings and the people. So in short, I think the very best brands are combining head and heart. They're incredibly data-driven and analytical yet they're responsive and feeling-based as well. And that's what I loved about the way the two uh, partners at Profit outlined this in today's CX Press article. You know, it's kind of funny that you should mention that because that is exactly what the company that I work for does. I work for a company called Persado, and we work with marketing language. 
And all of our testing is data-driven and statistically significant and completely objective. But the whole reason that the platform works is it focuses on emotions. And that's what marketers tend to miss when they're writing marketing copy. It's usually void of emotion. And as we know, consumers are looking to have a relationship with a brand. And that starts with developing emotion even as early as marketing. So I think this totally makes sense. And I think that it is, again, absolutely the way that we are that we're headed. So the article outlines four key elements of a living brand. First, living brands are hyper-personalized, which means that they're driven by empathy and that they're specifically designed to feel personalized to every single individual. And one of the examples it gives, which I think is a great one, is about TurboTax. And I'm a TurboTax customer. I've used it for years. And it really does make filing taxes a breeze. First of all, it imports all of your data from last year. It asks you very quick questions about whether anything's changed in your life. Have you gotten married or divorced or had a baby? Have you moved? And then it presents to you the exact questions and the exact things that you have to fill out. You basically never see an IRS form because it does it all for you. And it is incredibly easy and personalized. And as a result, we feel better about it because it feels like the experience was created just for us. Next, the article goes on to note that living brands are contextual. What they mean by that is that the brand is shifting how it acts, how it feels, how it looks according to the environment. And they give a great example here of YouTube and the fact that YouTube will adapt its content based on the user context. So for example, I've got two small kids, so occasionally we find ourselves on YouTube Kids, uh, and what's interesting is the interface for YouTube's kids uses icons instead of text navigation so that kids who might not be able to read yet can navigate it. Plus, it only has family-friendly content on it. So you know if your kids are within YouTube Kids, they're going to be okay. They're not on random, wide-ranging, general YouTube where they might stumble across stuff that they shouldn't otherwise be exposed to. The next key element is that living brands are intelligent. That means that they're in learning mode all the time and that they use this knowledge to inform the experience going forward, how they think, act, and engage with consumers. And the example here that they give is with Netflix, another one that I am a longtime customer of. And Netflix learns their users' viewing habits and then makes recommendations based off of them. So early on, they were able to say, well, hey, you liked this baseball movie, Dan, so you will probably like this baseball movie. But then they took it a step further further into version 2.0, which is where they started creating original content based on what their viewers were interested in. So for example, they commissioned a, I don't know, a a fairly um, unpopular show that nobody's heard of called House of Cards. (laughs) And they did that because they knew that a huge portion of their users had streamed the Social Network movie, which was directed by the same producer and director, David Fincher. Finally, living brands are continuous. What the article means by this is that they are paying attention to a digital pulse. They're maintaining ongoing conversations with customers. And Marriott has an interesting program called Li Yu that helps Chinese tourists that are traveling outside of China feel at home wherever they go. So what this program does is it uses WeChat for tourists to engage with a local concierge who can 
assist in Chinese with anything that that tourist needs from restaurant recommendations to in-room amenity requests. Basically, uh, by using this program, the tourist can feel more connected and keep the conversation going even when they're not in their home country. So the key takeaways from this article are that number one, uh, the customer expectation is fast changing. It is evolving quickly and we better be ready as brands and as customer experience professionals to navigate that shift and navigate that change. Uh, number two, we need to handle these shifting expectations by creating an ecosystem. An ecosystem that is more human, more immediate, more seamless, and more responsive. And number three, often we think in these conversations about creating ecosystems and being faster and more efficient that it's all about technology. Folks, while the head is certainly important, we don't want to miss out on the heart. We need to include the feelings and the empathy so that we can create a fully cohesive experience for our customers when they are living the brand. Sometimes, a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. So guess what happened at about 2 a.m. last night here in Colorado, Dan? Well, given that you never sleep, it could be a whole bunch of things. <laughs> vampire style, people. Vampire style. Well, actually, what I did last night is I signed the lease for a new house that we're going to be renting in Boulder, Colorado, starting in just a few weeks. Well, congratulations. So you're moving, huh? Yes, thank you. Nothing gets by you, amigo. Yes, indeed, we are moving to a new place and uh, super excited. We've been in the town of Evergreen, where we live now, for about five years, and we're going to have a new adventure and move to Boulder. Nice. So you must have gone through a house hunting process, which is where I guess you're leading us here. How was it? Yes, my friend, we did go through a house hunting process. And as I mentioned, we'd been in our existing house for about five years. And to be clear, we're renting our house in Boulder. So it was kind of like, all right, let us wade into the rental pool and see what's available. And uh, because I think it's relevant to the conversation, we were looking for a three-bedroom house. Uh, my wife and I have our two boys. Plus, we wanted to also have an office uh, in the house, like a home office. So we needed something that was going to allow enough space so that uh, we could work from home, but also have room for the family and maybe have room for when friends come to visit because a lot of folks come to Colorado and we want to be able to uh, uh, put them up for the night when they come. So what I and found... If I may. Yes. You also need a quiet place to record the experience. This I also do show. need a quiet place for the experience. This show. Exactly. So we're, you know, so we had a, some pretty specific requirements of what we were looking for. And uh, thankfully, there were several options in Boulder. But what surprised me, what shocked me, what blew my mind in this world of modern technology and modern capabilities and a focus on customer experience is how completely devoid of positive customer experience most of the listings were. And so here's what I mean by that. First of all, there were boatloads of houses listed on the main like rental sites that were already rented. Like, so we, we, we would find a place where we'll be like, oh, yes, awesome. And then we'd call and they're like, oh, no, that place was rented four months ago. 
And I'm thinking, why is it still listed? Yeah, isn't, it's been that, isn't that kind of the first requirement of being do, on a do, rental do, site is you it, think? it's for rent? Don't, don't you think? Yeah. And, and there was a part of me that was like, if I'm calling, I guarantee that I'm not, and it's been months, I guarantee I'm not the first person to call. So what do you like? Come, come on, folks. We need to do better from a point of view of the product. Now let's talk about the marketing a little bit. Oh my goodness. Terrible photos. Terrible photos. I mean, the kind of photos that my wife would send me links to some of the houses she found. And I'd look at these online and I'm like, there is a good chance that there was a drug deal that went down in this house five minutes before this photo was taken or that, that SWAT has kicked down the door to this house before. Like really bad, bad photos, of places that looked horribly shady. And I, I kept saying to my wife, are we going to actually live here? And she's like, I know, but these are the places that are available and it seems like they're in good neighborhoods, but the photos were just terrible. But the thing that blew my mind, there was not one video walkthrough. Now, in the world of buying houses, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with the video walkthrough. If you're going to buy a house, you can go and kind of see on the listing and they will literally walk you through the house with a video. I couldn't believe that in the dozens and dozens of homes we looked at online, we didn't go look at them in real life, but of the ones we looked online, there wasn't a single walkthrough video. And that just really surprised me because I felt like it was such a great opportunity to tell the story of your house, give people a much better idea of what it would be like to be in the house as opposed to these weird random fisheye lens, you know, photos or random iPhone photos that somebody didn't do a good job of framing the picture. Uh, it just blew my mind, the kind of the, the marketing experience. Yeah, I do think that's very surprising. I mean, obviously not everybody's a marketer, but this is pretty basic stuff. And, you know, you said there were dozens and dozens of options. So if I'm renting my place, obviously I want to stand out from other places so that I can rent quickly and not be losing money on an empty place. And so taking a few minutes and walking through the place with an iPhone and a video on is not really hard. And you're right, it does. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a video is worth a million. So that does seem like a pretty easy thing to do. And I would agree it is shocking that there wasn't a single one there. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. So we go into this process and we pick, you know, a couple different places that we're going to look at. We take the day off and we're going to go find the house. And so we go up to, you know, meet these various landlords, which sometimes were the owners, sometimes they were the property managers. And we're, we're checking out a couple of different houses. And it dawned on me that there's a, a fundamental basic truth, I believe, of customer experience in that many of these places uh, were missing. And that is that you're always selling, you're always promoting, and you're always creating an experience. The experience of running a house goes far beyond the product, right? It's not enough to say, oh, we have a pretty house that meets your specs and it's safe and it's clean and it's well-constructed and it's in a good neighborhood. The thing that people seem to forget was the landlord experience or the sales agent experience or the property managed experience. And, you know, on the show, we, we talk a, as a general rule about the positives and rest assured, I am going to get to the positive punchline here. But one of the houses we went to, it was very clear that the woman who was showing us around did not want us to rent this place. 
Like every time we asked about something, it wasn't available. Like she said, you know, oh, there's a basement um, that, you know, is used for storage. And we were, so we walked around and we looked at the house. And at the end, my wife said, well, can we go down to see the basement for storage? And she says, no, that's not included in the rental. It's used for storage. I was like, wait, your storage or our storage? And she was like, our storage. I told you that. And I was like, wow, okay, awesome. You actually didn't tell us that. You used language that was not at all clear, but okay. And so we continued the tour and now we're like, oh, that was kind of weird. We continued the tour a little and we go into a room and my wife says, well, I could see this room could maybe be used as an office. It can be maybe used as a small dining room. And the woman doing the tour was like, yeah, no, no, it couldn't be a dining room. Okay. Is there a provision in the lease that prohibits the use of this room as a dining room? Like, what's going on? But we, what was crazy is this house had a lot of positive things about it. It was in the neighborhood we wanted. The curb appeal was great. The rooms were nicely apportioned. Uh, there was actually a pool in the backyard that wasn't on the listing. Like there was actually a swimming pool that wasn't part of the listing. And now there were some people that would look at that as a negative. I was looking at this as, holy cow, we could rent a place with a pool. How awesome is this? But we left the showing and we got into the car and I turned to my wife and I was like, I, I don't know that we could ever do that place. And my wife, who's much more conscious of our children, was like, oh, because of the pool, because that's a safety hazard for the boys. And I said, well, yes, but more importantly than my children's well-being, <laughs> the landlord relationship would be horrible. Like that would not work. OK, so not a good experience. I'll wrap this up quickly, though. Fast forward to the last house we go see, because, of course, it's always the last one that you look at. Right? But irony of all ironies, this was supposed to be the first house, but we had to reschedule. So it became the last house. Our landlord. And yes, I did just say our landlord, because this is the one we decided to go with was a delight. She not only told us the story of the house, she had raised her family in the house. She acknowledged the fact she has two boys that are teenagers. We've got two young boys. And she was kind of waxing nostalgic about what it was like to have her boys grow up in the house and how cool it would be to have our boys grow up in the house and very accommodating and like, oh, we're, we're planning to repaint these walls before the new tenant moves in. Hopefully it's you. If it was you, what colors would you want it to be? Just in incredibly accommodating. We walk out of that meeting, we get in the car, we drive maybe two blocks away. And I turned to my wife and I was like, I think that could be the place. And she's like, I love that place. I said, why are we driving away? Let's go back and do the application and give our deposit. And it was boom, boom, we're done. We're ready to go. And the, the moral of the story is, uh, you know, the product had to be good and it had to meet our requirements. But the experience of the landlord and the person we're going to deal with for the next year renting this house is what really sealed the deal. Yeah, I love this story. And I think this is true in every business. I mean, one of the uh, folks that I interviewed for my book who I just loved is this guy named Scott Wise, who owns Scotty's Brewhouse, which is a bunch of restaurants in Indiana and elsewhere in the country. And the line that stuck out to me really forever is that he said that when people ask him what business he's in, he says he's in the customer service business. And I said, really, why don't you say that you're in the restaurant business? And he says, well, if you go to a restaurant and you have a great meal and you have crappy service, you're never coming back. If you go to a restaurant and you have decent food or good food and you have amazing service, 
you're probably going to be a really loyal customer. Obviously, he aspires to do both. But I think the point is very similar to what you're making here is that you have to have a good product and you have to have a good experience. It's not either or. And when you put the two of them together, it makes the purchase decision that much easier. Absolutely. So I think there are a couple of key takeaways from our house hunting experience. Number one, people use video. It's 2018. Give video tours of your product, of your service, of the experience of what it's like to be, do business with you, of the space you operate from. Let people see and hear in real time what's going on. Number two, use good pictures. Okay. Even if you're selling something on Craigslist or you're trying to rent a house or you're, you know, offering something up on, on on Facebook for sale or giving something away. Take five extra seconds to take a good picture. Number three, if you are renting a house, this is kind of an interesting and obvious one. Use a floor plan. Let one of the photos that you upload to the site be a floor plan because not everyone can imagine your product as easily as you can. So give them a map that shows them how it works. And finally, last but not least, the experience of you the person selling the product or service is every bit as important as the quality of the product or service. Make better experiences. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? So the other day I was on Facebook and I saw a Facebook live video from my friend Ari and he was talking about an accounting service that he had recommended for a long time. I've heard him recommend this service many times uh, as how valuable and how beneficial it is to business owners, uh, especially small business owners. And he went on a bit of a rant on how he wasn't going to be recommending them anymore and the reason he wasn't going to be recommending them anymore. And it's not just because they did accounting. Accountants are fun. Accountants deserve the love too. It was because they made exiting the business a horrible customer experience. So when you say exiting the business, do you mean like when somebody wants to stop doing business with them? Correct. Correct. So he had been a customer paying about $150, $180 a month for many years. He had recommended it to people, but his business had grown and he now needed more robust accounting services than what this company could provide. And so he reached out to them and he said, Hey, look, I want to cancel my service. Uh, you guys just can't do what I need you to do anymore. And the business is kind of going in a different direction. So I need to exit my service. And he, he messaged them about this. Uh, and they replied back and they said, okay, it's going to take us a couple days to shut down your account. 10 days to shut down his account. There's a lot of steps that have to be done. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's which, the by off the way, switch. Exactly. Which, by the way, did I mention that that took him into the next month of auto billing? So they build one more month how before they officially shut him. How convenient. How convenient. And then as if that wasn't enough, what happened is they said, okay, as the final step, please schedule a call with this customer service rep and gave a like a calendar scheduling link uh, to talk about what went wrong and like, you know, help. Exp I, th I think the language he used was something like, you know, help make your exit as smooth as possible. Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't going to expedite. It, that's for <laughs> no, sure. it's certainly not going to expedite. It's in fact going to make it take longer, I'm sure. 
Totally. And that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so he did this Facebook Live video and he said something that I thought was really powerful. And he said, the way we treat customers that leave us says a lot to the customers who stay. And, and I thought that was so powerful that, you know, there are so many businesses out there today that are focusing on their new customer onboarding, which I think is great. As you know, it's, you know, my area of expertise. It's where I spend a lot of my time. But a piece of the puzzle that most businesses don't spend any time thinking about is how do we make the last day of doing business with us as magical and as positive and as wonderful and as much as an experience as the first day. Now, granted, I get it that it's kind of bittersweet. You're losing the customer and you may not be happy about that. But if in the process of them exiting, you are whipping Molotov cocktails at the relationship and saying, you know, let me burn all the bridges and we'll, you know, we'll never do business again. You're really causing not only problems with that customer, but with any likelihood of them ever coming back or referring anyone or not speaking horribly of you going forward. Yeah, I mean, this reminds me of a segment we did way back in episode 17, where we talked about Chewy.com and a friend of mine from high school who had a cat die and how Chewy responded to him basically exiting the business because he didn't need their pet products anymore after his cat died. And they treated him with empathy. They sent him a gift in the mail, you know, and, and flowers to say that they were sorry about his cat dying. And what that did was make him even more loyal to the company than he was before. And I think one of the things that you pointed out that I want to reiterate about your friend Ari is that he's recommended this business for a long time. So, for years. Yeah. For years, this guy's been singing this company's praises. Right. And so... A, if you treat him like crap on the way out, he may not be doing that anymore. But B, you know, maybe he's grown too big for the services now. But who knows? Maybe a year down the line, he sells his company and starts over with a small business again that that needs the services again. So there's no reason to suspect that Ari will never use this company again. So why on earth would you burn the bridges? 100%. And not to mention, Ari's got a pretty decent audience. I mean, we live in an era where anyone who's on Facebook has a decent audience, right? And this is a guy who actually has a podcast and he has rent. So like he has a bigger audience than maybe the average consumer. And you're absolutely right. He was a loyal fan and supporter and they just made the final experience so negative that there, there's no may about it. Uh, at least based on what he said, he's never going back. You know, it's interesting that, uh, I saw this video from Ari because ironically enough, the same day I was involved in a conversation with someone who was speaking disparagingly about an online service like an information subscription service where you you pay a certain amount and then you get access to kind of this members community. And they were lamenting the fact that they wanted to cancel their membership and they went online and the requirement for canceling was that you would mail a physical letter asking for it to be canceled to an address for it to be processed before they would stop auto billing nice. your credit card. And this person was irate. This is an online product, an online membership, where it's very clear that someone figured out that they can squeeze a few more days of payment out 
by forcing people to mail a letter. Or better yet, a lot of them won't do it or they'll won't, forget won't do to do it. it. Right. Or they'll forget to do it. And so you'll still make money. But like at what price success, people? You know what I mean? Yeah, your business is growing and maybe you're making money, but you are burning any hope at reputation or good karma that you would have in the universe. So, um, folks, here are the key takeaways. Number one, make leaving as easy as staying. If you want your customers to stay, actually make it easy for them to leave. It sounds counterintuitive, but I promise you it works. Number two, don't force them to switch channels. So in Ari's case, he was having this conversation via messenger and chat and email. And then they said, oh, we want you to schedule a phone call. If the customer's in the channel saying, I want out, figure out a way to let them out of the relationship within that channel instead of trying to take up more of their time. And number three, make the day they leave as great as the day they sign up. As Dan pointed out, they might come back. They might continue to refer you business. They might have a change in their business or circumstance where they need your help or your service or your product again. Make sure that the final feelings they have for you are positive. And that's the kind of experience that will keep customers coming back for more in the future. Listen in while we try to stump and surprise each other with a fantastic statistic from the worlds of customer experience and customer service. It's time to check out this number. Okay, Dan, the number is 47%. What do you think it refers to? I'm going to go with the percentage chance that there is life on another planet. Oh, dude, it is much higher than 47%. I think it's like 99.99%. Really? You, so let me ask you this. Do you think there's another experience this podcast somewhere out there? Only if we're lucky. Only if we're lucky. And I guarantee the hosts in the alternative universe uh, of the experience of this show are much better looking than we are. Well, how uh, could they possibly not be? That's the alternative world. No, the 47% I'm referring to is the fact that 47% of online shoppers are willing to pay more for same day delivery. This comes to us from chainstoreage.com study delivery time impacts online shoppers purchase decisions as cited by our great friends and sponsors of the show Oracle CX in their new ebook, Three Ways Your Shoppers Have Changed and How to Keep Up in the Digital Age. And the reason I wanted to mention this specific statistic is it ties back to that living the brand, right? Our customers want the immersive experience. They want the experience that is anticipatory. They want the experience that is immediate. They want the experience that is right now. What do you think about that stat, Dan? I think it's a fascinating stat. And what I would say is uh, that customer expectations continue to get higher and higher. So a while ago, certainly just several years ago, it was a fair expectation that you ordered something online and it took a week or two to arrive at your door. And then Amazon introduced Prime and free two-day shipping. And now your expectation is everything shows up in two days. As you know, Amazon and others are testing one day and same day delivery. And so as customers realize that this is possible, that's going to become the expectation. And so right now it's 47%. I would expect that in a year or two, that number skyrockets a lot higher as same-day delivery becomes more commonplace. Couldn't agree more with you, my friend. The joy of the customer experience world, ever-evolving, 
as are your customers' expectations. So it keeps it exciting for all of us. To check out this ebook as well as complete a fast, and when I say fast, I mean it'll only take you about two minutes, less time than it took for you to listen to this check out the number example, uh, you can complete an assessment to see how you compare against your peers in readiness for the future of customer experience. To complete that assessment, all you have to do is go to oracle.com slash CX performance. That's oracle.com slash CX performance as put together by our wonderful friends at Oracle CX, the sponsors of the experience this show. Thanks so much for your sponsorship and go check out the assessment and see how you stack up against the competition. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions. And if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.